0: Pray for her. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious and precious Heavenly Father, God, we pray a special prayer for Sister Shannon Davis as she's in ICU. God, you know the need, you know what needs to be done, and God, we send your anointing to touch heal and deliver God for the several people that are watching online that are tuning in and have fair various different challenges. God, we ask that you would meet them at the point of their need. God, we ask that you would also look on our sister Darlene. God, we ask that you would bless her first of all in her mind. God, don't let her mind snap. Don't let it break God, but help her bear under the pressure and God, those of us who have been there, God help our prayers to pierce through the darkness and make a way for her, and God let her know she always has a safe landing place here. Now, God, I'm asking that you would bless us as we communicate Your Word, that you would anoint the speaker as well as the he- the hearers, and that our uh, coming would not be in vain. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Man, all right, with your Bibles in your hands, repeating after me: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit, to serve we commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Christ's love compassionately. Father God, Father God feed, me feed me your word. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Ah, uh, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All right. So we are going to uh, just go ahead and give us the title. Of the message, and it is simply this. Go, yeah, I like where you had it the first time. Uh, whatever you did the first time, go back to that. I like that. But God is watching you. God is watching you. How about you look at your neighbor and say, God is watching you. Now, now, if you know me, you know that I just don't preach what is normal. So when you hear God is watching you, you're more than likely going to have one idea in your mind, but knowing me, I'm going to go in a different direction. But in order to do that, I'm going to start off with a a funny made-up story and then from there we will preach. There was a story about a man who broke into a home and he decided to rob. He didn't want the TVs and all that stuff. He just wanted small, valuable items like rings and jewelry. So he was moving around the house to find those small, valuable items. And then he hears a voice that says, God is watching you. But he doesn't pay much attention to it, not knowing where the voice came from. And he rustles around and hears the voice again. It says, God is watching you. He turns his flashlight on and flashes in the direction of the voice. And none other than a parrot was in a cage saying, God is watching you. And so the robber looked at the parrot and said, what is your name? And the parrot said, Moses. And the robber said, what kind of silly owners would name their parrot Moses? And the parrot said, the same kind of owners who named their pit bull God. And at that time, the pit bull walked out and the parents said, God is watching you. <laughs> so a f- funny story, but I bring that up simply because normally when we say God is watching you, we normally mean it in the sense of you better shape up or ship out. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm to put this up. i want to start this as my first point. In most cases, this phrase is used to provoke the fear of the Lord in us and get us to straighten up our act before it's too late. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that because the scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. However, there is a deeper revelation in this phrase. And so I am somewhat odd and I don't just look at what I see. I always look beyond. There's nothing wrong with taking the normals of what you see when you hear God is watching you. Nothing wrong with that. That is correct. But I like to look beyond that. Number number one, it seems very weird for me, unless God tells me to, to beat up people who are coming to church and who are tuning in online. So why would I be telling them all the things they're doing wrong unless God gives me a corrective message like that, why would I be telling people who are already connecting all the stuff they're doing wrong? Let me give you an example I, I I know my deacon will he was called in to work last night, so that means he worked all night long, got off at six something in the morning, and he was still here and pressing his way. Should I be beating him up when he's pressing his way? Now, if God tell me to pull out the whoop and and whoop y'all, I'll do that. But that's not what lately God has been telling me to do because we've been going through hell. We don't want to come to church and hear some more hell. So I'm not really talking about God as watching you in the sense for you to be nervous because I am under the assumption you already know God is watching you. That's why you keep coming to church all the time. So what else can we see? Let, let's, let's go to definitions of words. That always helps me make the case that I'm trying to make. Let's look at this definition. Let's look at how much fear this provokes. And first of all, I've, I've scratched out definition number two because I'm going to come back that, to that later. So I won't even read that. I'm going to read definition one. Look at or observe attentively over a period of time. Keep under careful, protective, or secret observation. Maintain an interest in. Hmm. Look at. Observe attentively. Over a period of time. Keep under careful, protective, or secret observation. Maintain an interest in. So when I say God is watching you, I'm not saying he's just watching you to see what you're going to do wrong. I'm saying he's watching you because he has maintained an interest in you. I'm saying he's watching you because he's observing his creation. He's watching you because he's protective over who he cares about. So God is watching you. is not just to provoke fear, but it's also to remind you, you got a good good father. Every now and then, my wife is gone so I can go ahead and, and talk like I lo- like to talk. Every now and then, Devin will look at me and she say, what are you staring at? And I'm saying, baby, you look so good. I'm, I was staring. I was watching her, not because she did something wrong, but I was watching her because I liked what I saw. I, I liked the way the pajamas was hugging her bottom and I just took some time to stare and she's in the kitchen cooking and she's wondering, why am I looking over her shoulder? But baby, I wasn't looking over your shoulder. I wasn't looking somewhere else. I was watching, but I was watching because I was enjoying what I was looking at. Sometimes God's not watching you to punish you, but he's watching you because you're the apple of his eye. And he's watching how you've gone through life's challenges, and you're still fighting, and you're still pushing, and you're still pressing your way, and you're still forgiving, and you're still loving, and you're still giving, and you're still praying. So sometimes God is watching you because he cares about you. All right, let's 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 prove it out through the scripture. Let's look at Psalms 121 from the New Living Translation of the Bible. I'll have Mother Mitchell read it, but before we go to the New Living, I'm going to read this first verse in the King James because it'll be more familiar in the King James. And then we'll read it the entire in the
1: uh, New Living. All right.
0: Praise the right. Oh, there we go. I'm back. All right, so... Psalms 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. That's how it says in the King James, which is quite, for those of you who are Bible scholars, it's quite uh, resonates with your spirit. But let's read it in the New Living Translation. Let's start with verse one.
1: I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there?
0: Let's go to verse two.
1: My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth.
0: Let's look at verse 3.
1: He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber.
0: Okay, so in this scripture, the context is not negative. The context is he's not going to let you stumble. Now, I know and you know since we've known God, we have all fallen but when you fall in God, you don't fall out of grace. You fall into grace. And you don't stumble because he got you. And he's watching you. Okay, right, let me see if I can break it down to where you can understand it. When my babies first started to walk, and let me be honest, I had some lazy babies. They didn't walk to a, a, uh, a year in a month, a year and two months. They, they wasn't trying to do a whole lot. But once, once they did, Start walking. I stood away from them to get them to walk, but I was watching them so they wouldn't stumble. When I was first without kids with my wife, we had a nice glass table. Actually, the table is in my office now. I, I transferred to my office. I learned later on, you don't need nice glass tables when you have babies. But we didn't have babies at the time. So when the babies were first walking, I was very protective because I didn't want them to stumble and bump into the glass table. So I was watching them, not because they were doing something wrong. I was just trying to be there just in case they fall. It's good to know he'll be there if ever I fall. But it's better to know I don't have to fall at all because he's able to keep me. That's a whining song. Let me, let me break it down even further. When, when I was taught how to ride a bike, the person who taught me would have me on the bike and then they would be behind me holding the bike so I could keep my balance. At some point they would let the bike go, but they stayed close enough to me just in case I stumbled. So in other words, to be good at that, to be good at teaching someone how to ride a bike, you have to watch. You can't teach me how to ride a bike and be like this because I'm going to be on the floor busting my head. You have to be engaged and watching. So when I say God is watching you, what I want you to know is you would have stumbled, you would have gave up, you would have lost your mind, but God is watching you and it's the he's the one that didn't let you stumble. And then it says he doesn't sleep. So it's good. He can watch me all night long because he doesn't sleep let's go to verse four
1: indeed he who watches over israel never sleeps never slumbers or sleeps
0: there you go let's go go to verse five
1: the lord himself watches over you the lord stands beside you as your protective shade wow he
0: stands beside you as your protective shade I can't find God. That's because he's the shade over you. He's actually covering you. He's beside you. And no, 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 he's not mad at you. He's just trying to help you because he knows you got more in you than what you know. And so I got to stay close to you so you won't mess it up, so you won't blow it. So I'm the shade over you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the... Almighty, every now and then you will see that people use umbrellas not just for rain, but they also in the summertime use umbrellas for shade because the sun has a way of burning you up. And so the umbrella, not only does it protect you from rain, it protects you from the sun. It te- protects you from the heat. So let's go even further.
1: Look at, look at that in the next verse. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. Oh, I'm so close
0: to you. That the sun won't be able to harm you. No, no matter how bright the sun and and, and the sun is, and they tell us how hot it burns. Actually, it's a miracle that the earth is able to function as close as, as it does to the sun without us totally burning up. But God has set it in such a way that the sun only provides goodness to us and it doesn't tear us all the way up. Now, if you stay out there too long and you don't have enough melanin in your skin, you you can burn up your skin pretty bad. But God is saying, I'm here to protect you. So I don't want you any longer to think of God is watching you only in the sense as he's watching you to punish you. Many times he's watching you to protect you. Yeah. Many times he's there to protect you from you. Yeah. Had a conversation with, with my boys and... They were talking about me and my wife being overprotective parents. They they said we're not overprotective, but we're very, very close. And what I thought about that, that means I'm being a good parent. Because if a teenager thinks I'm watching them too much, I'm doing my job. Because what I know is life has a way of wrapping people up who don't have the mental faculties yet. And so i got to watch over you, not because I'm mad at you, but I'm trying to protect you. God won't let me do nothing. I I I I go on vacation, and next thing you know, I find myself reading scriptures. I didn't want to read scriptures. God won't let me do what everybody else do. I can't go where everybody else go. Maybe it's because he's protecting you. Maybe what you have in you is not the same as what everybody else has in them. So God has to protect you in a different way. The greater your gift, the more God has to watch you. Because gifted folks struggle. Gifted folk get attacked. Gifted folk get hit. Gifted folk get sucker punched. So God stays on your case not because he's mad at you but he's trying to bring the greatness that's in you out of you. All right, let's go to verse 7.
1: The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life.
0: Keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. What's interesting is that I've read Psalms 121 many, many times for many, many years and never caught this recurring theme of watch, 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 watch. God is watching you. Somebody say, God is watching me. Is watching me. All right, now now, look what else he watches. Let's look at what Jeremiah 1.12 says. Now, you will only find it phrased this way in the Amplified, but I want us to read it in verse 12, what it says.
1: Then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it.
0: Not only does he not slumber and sleep, but he's alert and he's and what you are, you are a vessel and you are a vessel that is a carrier of God's word. And so when he's watching you, it's really not just about you, it's about the word that he placed in your life and he's watching over his word to perform. So when I tell you that God's going to bless you and you leave church and you don't see any blessings, God is watching you so he can make sure the word he told me to tell you comes past in your life. So he's watching you because he cares about you. He wants to bless you. He he wants to restore you. He, he wants to clean you. He wants to wipe away your tears. One scripture says he gathers all your tears in a bottle. You are not lost. You are not left. You are not lonely because God is watching you. I'm glad, Teresa, that God was watching me. See, what I'm doing right now, God already saw. He saw me with a mic in my hand. That's why when I was in college trying to do my own thing, he would only let me go so far because somebody was praying for me. And the prayers that they prayed for me caused the word of God to be spoken over my life and God had to watch over his word to perform it. There were times that I was drunk. I mean drunk, and sobered up immediately. One time I was drunk, and I was looking in the mirror. I was at what we call a kegger, and uh, I was supposed to be watching the keg. I was in the bathroom where the keg was. I was supposed to be watching it, and everybody was coming to get the drinks, and I was handing out cups, but people wasn't coming fast enough, so I kept filling my cup up. Well, before long, I got drunker than what I thought I was. And I got up in the bathroom and I looked at the mirror and I said, Andre, you drunk. You know you're drunk when you talk to your own reflection. I told myself I was drunk. Then all of a sudden, after I did that, I began to sing a song that I heard in Sunday school. Talking about, oh, how I love Jesus. I'm like, I, I got to be drunk. Now I'm singing gospel songs but after the song came out of me i sobered up immediately and i wonder why am i doing this why am i trying to fit in there's something different about me i went home and went to bed but god was watching over his word to make sure i wouldn't go too far and i need to let some parent know when you pray over your child and anoint your child God is watching your child not to mess them up, but to protect them. Yeah, That's why you got to get your child out of your hand yeah. and put them in God's hands. Yeah. All right. Let's, let, let, let's say that again. Bring, bring it up uh, one more time. Let's say this together. God is, God is watching you. Let me bring up point number two. I've made it pretty clear. Let's no longer look at this phrase only as something to fear. But rather also as something to celebrate. God is watching me. Thank you. Now, knowing God is watching me also can bring some fear. Because we don't always do the right thing. But I'm so grateful there's more to celebrate than there is to fear. All right, let's let's keep moving forward. Let's uh let's go back to that definition. And now I have the first part struck out, and I'm going to bring up the last one, number two. It says, remain awake for the purpose of religious observance. So two different definitions. One is about observing for the purpose of taking care of something. It even talks about, that first one even talks about like how you watch a stock. A person who's invested in a stock, they say, I'm watching the stocks because they're looking at it to make sure if it's going up or down. They're, They're concerned about the stock because they've invested in the stock. Well, guess what? Nobody's invested like God invested when he gave his own son. And so he's watching you to make sure you perform the way he wants you to perform. But the other one says it's a religious observance. Reminds me of the time when Jesus was... Uh, struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane on his way to his death. And he told his disciples, he said, can't you just watch with me one hour? So there's another type of watch and it is the watch where we begin to observe something for a religious purpose. Let's Let's dig into that for a second. So let's put up point number three. This is actually my last point. I'm gonna take some time dealing with this last point. But this is my last point. Not only does God watch But when he can trust us, he likes to use us to watch with him when he can trust us. So God, God is watching because he cares for his people. But if he can trust you, if he's invested in you and the stock has done well, let let me give you this example. I am a cheap investor. I like penny stocks. What well, it means it's only a couple cents. And I put money in it, and I want it to go up and down, and I haven't done very well with it. And I'm, it, it hasn't been bad, but it's so cheap, I ain't lost nothing. So I, I hope it, it blows up and it, it, it ain't done hardly nothing for me. My cousin has done very well, and he invests in Apple, Disney, and he's like, Andre, I know you try to be cheap and invest in the penny stocks, but you ought to invest in stuff that you trust. You invest in stuff, you don't even know what it is. But it's cheap. But he invests in stuff that he knows is going to be around. Here's the thing. When God can trust you, when you move like an apple and you move like a Disney and you move like a major company, it's easier to trust you. When you won't smile in somebody's face and lie behind their back, it's easier to trust you. When he blesses you with money and you don't mind bringing some of it to the church, it's easier for him to trust you because you are an an Investment he can trust. But when he trusts you, he likes to use you to watch with him. And so what happens with stocks is if you invest in them, not only does the money go up and down, but they have something called dividends. Where when the stock does well, they share the, the profits with the stock holder. So God, many times he's watching you because he's invested in you. But when he trusts you, he likes to use you to watch with him. This will make some sense as I move further. It'll make sense for some of y'all who wonder the way God does you the way he does you. Let's look at Ezekiel
1: 3.17. Son of man, I have appointed you as watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately.
0: immediately. So there is, just like God is watching you does provoke some fear, There is a site where when God uses you to watch with him, he gives you messages of warning. All messages God gives you are not happy-go-lucky messages. All messages is not about you going to get blessed tomorrow. Some messages are warning messages. But he says, I want to use you as a watchman. In other words, the people... They they try to know me but they can't see me but they see Joyce. they in Joyce's face all the time. So every now and then I need to use Joyce to talk to them because they don't see me but they see her. And if God can trust her, he'll give her a message to warn them because what the Bible also says, you speak the truth in love. love. Now if Joyce is going to beat folk, Dog them up, dog them out. He's not going to use Joyce to warn people. But if you have a heart of compassion and if you're living the vision and you're communicating Christ's love compassionately, God sometimes will give you messages and please do not be the person to say, well, I'm nobody. I can't say anything. If God gave you the message, you need to warn people. You need to tell, they may not like you, they may not like it, but it's your job to take the message and warn. And if God trusts you with a message and you don't do it, he won't be able to trust you again. Amen. So the first part of this, us watching with him, is the fear part. But let's, let's keep moving because there's more to it that's beautiful. Let's look at Psalms 119, 147 through 148.
1: I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. Yes. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Oh,
0: now this is quite interesting. David says, my eyes
1: are awake through
0: the night watches, plural, that I may meditate on your word. You may wonder why sometimes God wakes you up At odd hours. And you wonder, I just went to sleep. Why am I up? There's no alarm. I'm up. Why am I up? Many times it's so that you can meditate on him in the night watches. Because God is using you. Because here's the thing. God is watching. And he looks at you and says, you are going to be able to handle what I need done in the earth. So I'm going to wake you up with this or with that. Sometimes you wake up with a burden or you wake up with a dream, an odd dream. Not every dream needs to be interpreted. Some dreams need to be rebuked the moment you dream it. To get up and say, i rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Other dreams need to be thought out. And so many times God interrupts your sleep. He doesn't interrupt your sleep because he's mad at you, but he interrupts your sleep because he can trust you. Why can't he trust you? Because he's been watching you. And as he's been watching you, there's some things that he can do. And so David said, I begin to meditate on you in the night watches. Now, because my schedule is all kinds of crazy, I don't know how I'm going to sleep. So I um this is for me, but it's also for you who have more sound schedules. Some of y'all, and like I said, we're getting a little bit older. Some of y'all, y'all in bed by 8 p.m. With the covers up, you sleep. And you normally wake up at 5, 8 to 5. You, you have a normal sleep pattern all the time. If God interrupts that routine, he's trying to tell you something. Maybe, well, I I drank a gallon of water, so I woke up to pee. Okay, maybe that's part of it. But just keep wondering what it is, and you'll find out some of y'all, and I've said it before, some of you guys are going to have to start putting a journal and a notebook beside your bed because God is going to wake you up in the night watches and what he wakes you up with, we're going to need it for this coming age. If we do not understand since this decade hit, this is nothing easy to deal with. This world is wrapping up some way, somehow. I don't know if it's going to wrap up in another 100 years, another 50 years, another 20, another 10. I don't know. But all I know is things are shifting. And if people are not in God, it's going to be very, very rough. Yes. And if we are in God, God is watching us to figure out who can I trust to get my message, not just to church folk, but to the world, yes. to the dying, hurting world. The Bible says go to the highways, yes. the byways and compel them to come. Yes. All right. So let's, let's dig in this a little bit more because we, we see this phrase in the Bible a lot we see night watches in the Bible so let's put this up three strategic night watches there were three strategic night watches in the Hebrew time now when they got captured their night watches changed when they got under Roman rule their night watches changed but before that time it was three major night watches and so let me go ahead and put it on the screen and explain to you what they were these were the three night watches with the Israelites. The first watch was from sunset to 10 p.m. So the time that the sun went down, which is normally somewhere around 6, 6.30, maybe depending on seasons it could change a little bit, but in the evening time till 10 p.m. is the first watch. The second watch, and go ahead and, and uh, thank you, make it solid. Second uh, uh, watch was from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So at 10 to 2 was the second watch, and then the third watch was from 2 a.m. to sunrise. So from sunset to sunrise, there were three different watches. And what David was saying is that I wake up and I meditate throughout the different watches. Sometimes I'm meditating you in the late evening. Sometimes it's in the midnight hour. Sometimes it's in the early morning. But I'm finding out there are certain things that light upon my heart that I can't let go, that I can't get out of my mind. I'll tell you what's happened to me for the last couple of years is that there are times I will wake up, not the special word, but I'll wake up and look at the clock and it's 2.22 or 4.44 or 3.33 or 5.55. And I'm wondering like, God, what are you saying? And I did some studying of those things. And many of those times God is laying out messages and things. And so God is watching you, not just to punish you and not just to protect you, but to provide you with information that you might need in the future. So open your heart up. I know you got your jammies on. I know you got your bonnet in and your rollers on. But if God wake you up, you got to figure out what are you waking me up for because I'm open to whatever you're saying. Because we need direction. Why do we need direction, Pastor Because there are too many things coming too fast. I can handle one death, but when there's four in two weeks, it's difficult. Yes. But when there's four in two weeks and my furnace is out and my toilet is overflowing and this happens and that happens, I need some direction. Yes. My biggest prayer lately, God, is help. help, help Lord. I'm tired. Help, I'm overwhelmed. Help, I'm concerned. God, help. help. And so if I am praying for help, God won't always give me the answer because I work with a body of believers. Sometimes the prayer that I'm praying, the answer is going to come to you. So I need you to be aware of what God is depositing in the night watch because it might help me have the direction to lead all of us. If we were all in a van and we were driving to your hometown and you live in tupelo mississippi Uh and you're sitting in the back seat and i get ready to take a wrong turn and you say well i'm all the way in the back i can't tell him but you're the only one that know how to get to your hometown so just because you're in the back you need to raise your voice and say pastor That's the wrong way. I know the way. And maybe you'll get called to the front because you know the way. So some people, they just sit in the back and say, don't nobody want to use me. No, No, stop crying and fussing. Let God give you a word. And when God give you a word, everybody will know God has given you a word. So we're going to uh, close by looking at three instances of these night watches of things that have happened according to the scripture that we put up there. Flash that graphic back on the screen of the night watches. I'll run through them again. So first watch was from sunset to 10 p.m. So we're going to look at Lamentations 2, 18 through 19 for that first watch. Second, was, uh, second watch was from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So we're going to look at Judges 7, 19 through 21 and the third one we're going to look at which was from 2 a.m. to sunrise is 1 Samuel 11 11 and that's how we're going to close so let's look at Lamentations
1: 2 18 first cry aloud before the Lord O walls of beautiful Jerusalem let your tears flow like a river day and night give yourselves no rest give your eyes no relief all
0: right I want to share this especially to our women to our females It's it's for men as well but I want to uh, share this, especially to our females. Some of the things that you do or that God does, you have to activate it. Yes. But other things that God is doing, you don't have to activate at all because your emotional makeup is just the way God wants you. So there are times that you can't stop crying. And you wonder why you are crying. You're not crying because you're depressed. You're crying because you're feeling the spirit of the Lord. And the spirit of the Lord is ministering through your tears. And so your tears are actually making ways in the night watches. Because the Bible said those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So I don't want you to be mad. I don't want you to go and take medicine to stop crying because sometimes your tears are anointed tears. You are crying in ways that are going to make waves in the wilderness. You're crying for stuff your children are facing that they never told you about. You're crying over stuff that your loved ones are going through that they're ashamed to talk about. But your eyes are like a well of tears and God is using those tears to seeds that he's going to bring in the future. Hallelujah. So if you're in a cry baby season, don't, don't worry about it. Cry baby cry. Yeah. And I need you crying cause I can barely cry. Yes, God. When my, when my cousin died at 40, I barely cried. When my dad died, I barely cried. Just when I hugged Darlene yesterday, Over Alan, a few tears fell from my eyes. And I asked God, why is it that I can't cry? I like to laugh, but I'm in a season where I can hardly cry. Because I got so much going on, it's difficult for even tears to come out of my eyes. And I'm not one of those macho men where I'm just trying to hold back tears. I just can't hardly cry. I got too much going on. So cry for me, women. Cry out, not just with your tears, but cry with your voice. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 19. Now, now, this is what it says after that.
1: Read. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children, for in every street they are faint with hunger. Let's
0: give some details and this is, is Lamentations, which actually means weeping. That's what the word Lamentations mean. So Jeremiah was writing about the time when uh, Jerusalem was under siege. And they, because of their, their sins, they were getting ready to be captured by the Babylonians. And so Jeremiah had prophesied and prophesied and prophesied to them. They wouldn't listen. And now they're receiving their punishment. And it made him want to weep. But he said, I rise in the night with my tears, but I lift my hands and I cry for the children. Sometimes you have to pace your floor and cry and say, God, help my babies. God touch my babies. You ain't got to be real deep and have a hundred prayers, but just a cry and a prayer sometimes will break the devil's hold off of your children's life. That addiction that is gripping your child's head, that sex addiction, that drug addiction, God bless my baby. God bless my mama. God bless Muncie, Indiana. God bless Deliverance Temple. You're not weak, but what you're doing in the night watch, you are making a way for God to move. So, because God has been watching you, and he can trust you with Holy Ghost tears, that will make a way. Now, I was just doing that as an example, but I feel real tears as I was doing that. I mean, I feel real tears. I need some of y'all to be praying those real tears that will make a way. And we're not just talking about praying for the negative things, but even for the good stuff. Sometimes we need to cry so money can come in. Money, ha- money, uh, money has ears. I don't have time to prove it to you look at James 5 when you get on your own time. Read James ch- chapter 5. But money has ears. And the problem is all the rappers is talking about it. All the porn stars is talking about it. And so it goes where the folk are talking about it. You need to start crying and calling money in. You need to call blessings in. You need to call healing in. The Bible says, and I I feel like Mother Woods, call for the moaning women. Call for the wailing women that will cry out and cause things to happen. Now, once again, I'm one of those pastors, and I may change later. Maybe when I come off the job, I may change, but I don't call a lot of prayer meetings. I don't call a lot of fasts. I don't add a whole bunch of extra services for us to come in. We're going to walk around the church, and we're going to pray and fast. Nothing wrong with all of those things, but I've learned that sometimes we do too much stuff in here, and we don't do enough stuff out there. And we do too much stuff waiting for the pastor to tell me what to do. I don't want to tell you when to pray. I want you to have a relationship with God for yourself to know this is a season of fasting. This is a season of praying. This is a season of marching around. Pastor, I don't need nobody to come. I just need keys to the church because I'm about to pray in the church. Yes, I'll, I'm going to have a prayer meeting just me and God. Yes, the answer is yes because I want us to connect with our creator continually to know what God wants us to do. I'm not trying to be lazy, but I'm trying to develop people who are not dependent yes. on the pulpit. Yes. Alright, let's, let's, let's move on. Judges 7, 19. So that, that was that first watch. So what that means is from anywhere from 6 to 10 PM, there was that crying going on. Let's look at this second watch of the night.
1: It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay pots.
0: If you remember anything about Gideon, Gideon had an army of 20,000. He was facing an army of 60,000. He was already outnumbered three to one, and then God whittled his army down to 300. So he has only 300 men and faith versus 60,000. But in the second watch of the night, God told them to move. Now let's look, look at
1: what happens in verse 20. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon.
0: All right. in verse 21.
1: Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape.
0: So basically what happened was they made a bunch of noise and then they stood and watched God confuse the enemy. Yeah. We've heard the saying that praise will confuse the enemy. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, let me go back to, it's a lot of women. Let me go back to the women. Sometimes the reason why you are empty nested, not because your kids are old enough, but because they're running here and there, they're staying with this person, they're going with that person. It's so you can have the house to yourself to make some noise in your house. So when we were growing up, we were taught sometimes at the altar to make a lot of noise. I'm going to do this as an example. They would say, say thank you, Jesus. Clap your hands. Stomp your feet. I'm like, would you leave me alone? But the older I get, I've learned sometimes when I got the house to myself, make some noise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Some folk only want to come to church and shout because they want to be seen and they want to be heard. But every now and then when you by yourself, you ought to make some noise in the second watch of the night and just say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, I give you praise. God, I love you. I clap my hands at home. I stomp my feet at home. Let me, let me tell you something that actually happened here. Uh, th- this microphone, I've been using it for the last three, four weeks, and it's a new microphone, so I came in here o- over here. Actually, uh, it was right after I had seen uh, Brother Allen. I went to pray for him, and I got a chance to see him. He was unresponsible. I got a chance to see him and pray for him, and I didn't know if his life, which way his life was going to go, up or down. I do know one thing, that the moment that my father left this earth, it impacted Brother Allen deeply. Not saying that has anything to do with it, but they were very, very close. And so I prayed for him, touched him, touched his body, and then I came back to the church to work on the microphone. And like I said, I, I didn't know what was going to go on, so I came over here to to Get the microphone and just like testing one, two, testing. And before long, man, the spirit of God fell in this place. And I use this microphone and I begin to have a prayer meeting in here. And I mean, I was preaching and praying and prophesying and touching every chair. It wasn't to be seen, but God was doing something in me. Now, at that time, I didn't know whether he was going to live or die, but now he did cross over. One thing the Lord is showing me is that the people that cross over that we are connected to, especially from this ministry, they are not leaving us lonely. They're crossing over, but they're going to help us break through. And so God is sending anointings, He's sending mantles, and He's sending blessings. But I, I didn't have I, I I couldn't be scared and be like, Oh, I'm in here by myself, and and I look stupid. Yeah, I look stupid, but listen, ain't nobody here to know I look stupid. So guess what? Thank you, Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of division, I rebuke. Death. I, I plead the blood. I mean, I walked up and down these aisles and I begin to lay hands and prophesy. I begin to call every name out I can think. I begin to talk about your families. That's my job as a pastor. And it was late in the night watch, and I should have been asleep. It was my Friday night. I work all night long. I should have been in the bed. I should have just tested the microphone and went home and called into bed next to my wife. But God had the anointing come over me. And because God is watching me and he know he can trust me, I went ahead and let God use me for the people. The same thing's going to happen to you. I even pray to God. I, let, I say, God, this same anointing that's fell in this place. God, let it hit the people's homes. I, I want it to hit you in your cars and hit you on your job. Now, on your job, you may not be able to holler, but you got to learn how to holler without ever making a sound. You got to have a holler down inside of here. You got to know how to touch God in the night watch. And begin to tell this ugly devil, I I, I stand against you, devil. And yes, I may have sinned, but I'm not a sinner. I'm saved by grace. And yes, I may have failed, but I won't stay down. Yes, I'm broke now, but I won't stay broke forever. Yes, I'm depressed now, but I won't stay, stay depressed forever. Yes, I'm crying now, but my and weeping will turn into joy. I stand against you, devil. I stand against you, enemy. I call angels to assist me. I call angels to encamp around about me. I call the, I call the blood of God. I plead war. You can't have my family. You can't have my increase. You can't have my anointing. You can't have my grandchildren. You can't have my blessing. You got to raise up a voice. In the night watch. And sister Trish, what the scripture says. When they made noise. And they blew the trumpet. And they beat noise. It caused the enemy to get so confused. And all they did was stand and watch. Some of the stuff you're not gonna fight. You're just gonna praise God and stand and watch. I only have one more scripture, but I'm, I'm gonna throw this w- one story in. And this came back to me just, just the other day. So many, many, many moons ago, when I was yet living at my parents' house, and so, uh, I got married at 23, so this is well before that. It's probably, it's probably 19 or 20 years old. God had talked talk to me about preaching his word, and I came out of college. When I came out of college, I called myself keeping in quiet, but you know how Muncie is. Muncie talk. One particular time, I was walking down Elgin, trying to get to my home. I was walking, actually, I, I was walking down Granville. to get all the way to Elgin, and somebody seen me and, and said, do I need a ride? And I was right down the street. I had to, I had to walk forever. I was right down the street from my house, but they said, no, no, get in. I'm going to take you to your house. But when, and there was a preacher and when they, they picked me up, I found out they didn't just want to give me a ride. Uh-huh. They said, I heard you got out of school and, 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 and uh, don't let the devil uh, fool you. And he just began to talk to me and prophesy to me how I was doing wrong. And I'm like, so you picked me up just to tell me that. <laughs> but, I'm, but I, I, I'm not mad at the person because actually he's a great man of God. He was just going off of what he heard. But for me, I knew God told me to get out of that place. And he said, come home and work with your father in the ministry. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I thought I was just going to be running the sound and running the tape. That's why I still like doing that today. That's all. I was so messed up when I was where I was. I came home and I thought maybe I would get to go back later or go to Ball State. I didn't know that God was going to call me to preach. But people talked about me. Some family didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. Didn't make sense for God. I was getting good grades. didn't make sense for God to snatch me out. But here's the thing. What you have to understand, and this is the reason why inflation is so high right now, is because the world works off of supply and demand. See, there was demand for a real man to stand beside my father at that time. And so God caused me to be that supply and raised me up. Not knowing several years later I would pastor and he would exit this life. So God knew what he was doing. So back to what I was saying and the reason why I'm talking about being still, God gave me these words. I never wrote them down a day in my life. They were imprinted on my brain from that day to this. So I was walking in my parents' house. I was walking from the front door to the family room. If you've ever been my, my parents' house, you know how that path is. As I got to the kitchen, I heard God say something so loud. It went off not, it wasn't audible, but it went off in my stomach. But it was loud. Some of y'all spiritually know what I'm talking about. It was loud. It wasn't audible, but it was in here, but it was loud. And it arrested me in my tracks. And I heard these four sayings. I've called you by my name to establish my word for such a time as this. So stand and see the salvation of God. I heard it one time, and I've been able to repeat it for the rest of my life. And so last night as I was praying, and I was praying in a time, I was just like, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of folk dying. I'm tired of losing people. I'm tired of things not jumping off like I thought they would jump off. God, I'm just tired. And I heard him say this, I've called you by my name to establish my word. For such a time as this. And he made emphasis on this part. So stand and see the salvation of God. In other words, just be still. I don't need you to do anything. Just keep preaching my word. Keep teaching my word. And trust me with the rest. But God, I'm tired. But Andre, stand still. And I'm about to raise some folk up in the night watches. That will begin to help you push this ministry forward. Don't you quit. Stand still. And you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Final verse. And this concludes that very last watch, which is that early morning watch that takes you in that early morning. And many of us wake up in those early morning watches. And so let's look what happens in 1 Samuel eleven eleven. But before
1: dawn the next morning. When? Before dawn.
0: Before dawn. Go ahead.
1: Saul arrived, having divided his army into three detachments. He launched a surprise attack. What kind of attack? Surprise.
0: Okay, read.
1: He launched a surprise attack against the Ammonites and slaughtered them the whole morning. The remnant of their army was so badly scattered that no two of them were left together. Not
0: two of them were left together. No two demons was left together. So this is what I want to tell you. Sometimes when God wakes you in the early morning, it's because he's preparing a surprise attack. It surprised you that you wake woke up, but he's kept trying to surprise your enemy. And so what I don't want you, this is not the time to be sleep. This is the time to wake up and get active and receive what God is saying, whether it's in the first watch, the second watch, or the third watch, but God is watching us so that he can perform his word in the lives of deliverance temple. Let's stand to our feet. Let's put this up again and let's turn to our neighbor one more time and say, God is watching you. God is watching you. Now look at me and say this, God is, us. God is watching us. Amen. And we know God is watching to protect us, to prepare us, to provide for us, and not just to punish us. But guess what? We need help in this day and age. And God is trusting us to do it. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we understand you are watching us, but we are happy to know why you're watching us. But God, in these night watches, in these seasons, where you're dropping things in our hearts and dropping things in our spirit, don't let any of us think, well, I'm too new of a Christian. No, we want to just yield to you and whatever you tell us to do, however you tell us to pray, however, however we're crying, whatever you're moving us to do, let it do what it needs to do in the earth. And Satan, I cancel your plans over this ministry. I curse you from the top of your head to the sole of your crooked feet. I curse you in every way over every attitude and over every, uh. Altitude that you've tried to set up against the ministry to stop us and to block us, to block our families, to block our relationships, to block our money, to block our health. I curse you. And I release the Spirit of God. Because not only is God watching us, Satan, God is watching you, and He will punish you right early. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say Amen.